Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. It's good to have you in the house of God. We appreciate all of our online guests that are with us today. And one of those would be Pastor Jay. Uh, let me give you a little update. Uh, Pastor Jay had surgery this week and uh, is at home recovering. The surgery went very, very well. And, and he's, he's got some recovery ahead of him, but uh, we will continue praying for him. We love you, Pastor Jay. Don't, don't we love him? Let's let him know that. We love you, buddy. Very, very much. Very, very much. I uh, also want to remind you before we go any further to uh, uh, pay attention to what we call the top three. Uh, it's the three things that we think at Kingwood would be real important that you might, might check out and know this week. And uh, you can scan the code in the pew in front of you or the one on the screen or those of you at home on the screen. And um, that just tells you some important stuff happening. Especially, we want you to think about the summer. We've got some incredible things, part of that top three, that are happening for kids and for our student ministries this summer. So we're gonna have a great summer at Kingwood. We, of course, are in the uh, beginning. This is the second week of our summer series. Now, every, every summer we decide to dig deep into one book of the Bible. Um, uh, it's, it's a time that we can go deep and we can see exactly what God is trying to say through one specific book, not just a, a passage of Scripture. And we've chosen Hebrews, which I think is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Last week, Pastor Jay introduced basically uh, the book of Hebrews to us, did an incredible job. It's fantastic. I encourage you to go back and see that, listen to that message if you missed it last week. But uh, the, the series is called Better. It's called Better because the book of Hebrews is about how Jesus is better. Better than what? Everything. Better than everything. Better than any of the alternatives. And that's really what this series is about. Don't really know a lot, uh, don't really know who wrote Hebrews. Now, nobody knows that, but it's in the Word of God and it's incredible. We do know why it was written. It was written to Christians who were discouraged and who were, who were sort of moving away from their faith or maybe they were beginning to, to shift away. They were discouraged and beginning to, to sort of be drifting to the side and, and maybe going back to some of their old ways or going back to some of their old beliefs. It was written to all Christians, but especially to Jewish Christians who seemed to want to slip back into that pattern of, of the law and Judaism, the things that felt so familiar to them before they came to the Lord. And it was a, a warning to Christians, don't drift away from Jesus. Don't drift away from where you are. By the way, they lived in a world that was very, very, very uh, difficult to live in. The Roman Empire in that time was just full of options, all kind of religions, all kind of ways uh, to live, all kind of, of sexual practices, all kind of very much like the world we live in right now. Just a very, very culturally um, messed up world. And, and there were so many options out there, so many religions out there. And Christians, sometimes when they got discouraged, would follow some of the lies that came out. The enemy would throw lies at them and they would believe this and believe that and move in the wrong direction. Staying with God's word is better. Staying with Jesus is better 
the writer is constantly saying. Because as Pastor Jay mentioned last week, this is God's last best gift to humanity, Jesus. Jesus, he was the last message that was the greatest message, the culmination of it all. And he was saying, don't miss what was God's best by slipping back into something that wasn't. You see, it's not about uh, getting deeper in knowledge about, about the Bible. It really isn't. It, a lot of people want to have a lot of Bible knowledge, but Bible knowledge doesn't make you walk with God. It just gives you a lot of Bible knowledge. People are always saying, hey, I wish I knew what the Greek word was and the Hebrew word. You, I promise you, if you're not following the English, you're not going to worry about the Greek and the Hebrew. <laughs> Stick with the English right now. We'll be fine. That's the language we speak. So I'm telling you that this book is so real to us in our society, in our culture. It's so real to us. It's calling us back to the truth. It's about being deeper in Christ. Pastor Jay mentioned uh, weeks ago and again last week, our, our, our thing that God has led us into is to go deeper into Jesus, know him deeper in a deeper way. And that's what we need to do. Go deeper into our relationship, a solid solid, reliant relationship upon Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. So today, let's begin with Hebrews chapter one, verse four. Look at this. This shows that the son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave them is greater than their names. For God, uh, for God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son. Today I've become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. There's a whole section here that, that the writer devotes to Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than angels. Why, why begin a book comparing to Jesus, Jesus to angels. Now, we, we believe in angels. In fact, the Word of God is full of these incredible stories of these supernatural angels that show up like Superman about every time God's people got in a mess. They showed up, they, they showed up, and they showed out big time. The whole Bible, cover to cover, is full of stuff about angels, about angels, about how great they are, fantastic stories about awesome, powerful spirit beings who show up in every biblical crisis. That's the truth. The Bible's full of it. The Old Testament speaks about these beautiful beings we call angels that are continually in God's presence. They're always at, in, at viewing God's face. They're so powerful, they can destroy an entire army in one night. And they did. <laughs> and they create this atmosphere of awe and fear. In fact, uh, it seems like when people see an angel, an angel appears, they all go, ah, and freak out and, and full of fear. In fact, the first word out of every angel's mouth is fear not. Really read it. That's what they say. See, when you're confronted with these powerful angel beings, you, you want to sort of bow down and, and go, oh, who are you? Who are you? And try to worship them. And God says, no, don't do that. In fact, in the, in the book of Revelation, John in chapter 22, the Bible said one of several angels that appeared to him, this was a really big one, and he appeared, and the Bible says, 
Bible says he fell down and started worshiping. The angel said this, do not worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Paul warned the Colossians about, uh, about having uh, a false humility and the worship of angels. Somehow that was a deal back in the day. Worshiping angels? Well, here's the truth. In, in Jewish, uh, Jewish theology, during the time of Jesus and, and even later, in Jewish theology, they had this thing where they had all the different kinds of angels and the levels of angels and, and what some of them's names were that aren't even in the Bible, just names of angels, this, that, and other. And they had it to where God is so great, God is so powerful, we can't even say his name. His name is Yahweh, but can't say that. You have to call him Adonai, the Lord. You can't say his name. And we need to be humble and not say his name. And we don't even need to approach God. Let's just talk to angels instead because they can take messages to God. And they had a whole theology around going through angels to get to God. And if you were really holy and obeyed the law really well, then you got a really good angel that knew God really well. And you could get to him. That was, that was a theology that was going around, and, and it, it, it made somebody commune with angels instead of communing with God. And I guess in our world sometimes, uh, well, this is a good time for just a little teaching on angels, okay? Here's the deal. Angels in our popular culture are not like the ones in the Bible. In popular culture, if you look on the internet, they're gonna be little, little fat, naked babies with little wings and bows and arrows, or it's gonna be this tall woman with long hair gliding along, helping the little children cross the bridge. And they are so sweet and kind and happy. And, and so I guess people think it's easier to relate to them than it is to God, because I'm afraid he doesn't like me or something, and, and maybe he's too holy, so I'm just gonna relate to those. That is not what the Bible says. I promise you, that's a whole lot more hallmark than Bible. A lot more. Um, I, I've, been, I've been conversations with people before saying, hey, I, I pray to my angel all the time. Don't be, don't be doing that. Don't be praying to angels. Hey, listen, angels are created by God as spirit beings. They're not, they're not humans. They're spirit beings. Now, if you thought, that when a Christian dies, he goes to heaven and turns into a little angel and watches over you. No, that's Hallmark too. That is not, that's not Bible. God created angels to be angels and they have their task and God created humans to be humans and we have our task and we don't need to get them mixed up. We don't. Uh, verse 14 says this in chapter one. Therefore, Angels are only servants. Look at this. Spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Who's that? That's us. Angels. We're not, we're not supposed to worship angels. They're there to help us. They're there to help us. God sent them to help us. Jesus referred to angels a lot. He did. He referred to them a lot. He plainly said some things about them. Number one, he said they are not sexual beings who reproduce. They don't intermarry with humans and have little half-angel babies. Some people try to, try to twist the scripture to mean that. It does not mean that. 
That's, that's weird. Um, verse four, 14 that we read earlier tells us their job, their job is to glorify God as servants of God and minister and help the people and, and to do God's work among his people. That's who they are. They're spirit beings. They're usually invisible. Sometimes God allows them to be seen. Sometimes people are confronted and they see an angel and they, they, they have shown themselves to humans in the scripture. We see it sometimes. They don't have bodies unless God gives them one. So they can have all kinds of different looking bodies if they want to. I guarantee you, you've seen an angel. You just didn't know it. Really, the Bible, Bible says, says that. Uh, God can create an angel in a human form and to do something to help you that you, and you weren't even aware. Uh, in fact, it says in Hebrews 13 too, look at this. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. If you're a believer, I guarantee you've seen them. You just didn't know who they were and it's okay that you didn't know. You weren't supposed to know. Hey, I, I, I gotta tell you a story. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, probably, I think I was about 15 years old, I went on a missions trip with my youth group. We went to help establish a church up north in, in a city. And uh, we went up there, and, and I didn't know a lot about witnessing or anything like that. And so they were training us how to use little tracks and witness. And we were witnessing to each other and trying to get practice when we got there so we'd know what to do. And uh, we didn't know what we were doing. And so we, were, we had just gotten to this place, and we were sitting at a Dairy Queen, and we were sitting at a little table outside the Dairy Queen, and uh, we were practicing witnessing to each other, and it was not going well. Um, and so we were going, well, I don't, we don't know what. And then all of a sudden, we noticed across the street, it was a little, uh, like a four-lane highway, and across the street was an old abandoned grocery store with an old empty parking lot with weeds growing up in it. And uh, so while we were practicing, this guy on a bicycle comes out from behind the store and just rides in a big circle a couple of times in that big old parking lot. And then he stops his bike, got out, put the kickstand down, folded his arms, and stared at us. And so one of my friends, Steve, said, hey, let's go practice on that guy. So four of us, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we went evangelizing across the street. We went running with our Bibles and tracts, like attacking these people, this guy. We ran up to him, we all were taking turns doing our witnessing thing and practicing, and the guy was so nice, and he just went along and asked, it was great, it was, it was wonderful. And we invited him to come to the little school we were starting a church at, and, and shook his hand and said goodbye, and he got on his bike, and he rode back and went right back where he came from. Well, we had a great week. We learned to win people to God, and the church got a good start. And at the end of the week, we realized that he never showed up, church. So we were at the Dairy Queen again and said, let's go back, maybe his house is back there and visit him. Folks, we went across, uh, down that parking lot, went up to that abandoned store and attached to the wall, attached to the building, was a six foot fence. I'm talking bolted to the building. There's no way that guy rode from behind that store and we freaked out and one of our leaders said well it looks like you entertained an angel unaware <laughs> and you know what i think it was true 
I still learned my lessons from that guy. He was sent to help us. Uh, angels, you don't always see them. Sometimes you just see what they do. Here's another story. I got some stories, okay? I, I, was, I was probably 16. And, well, I know I was 16 because I hadn't had my driver's license long. And I was supposed to go to a little day retreat that was about 30 miles away. And I asked my dad if I could take the car. It was a big old Buick. Big old Buick. And uh, like, a, like a 68 Buick. Mm. And uh, so I asked if I could take it. And he said, sure, but don't go fast. And I had to drive through Talladega and on to Lincoln and a little further on. And between, on Highway 77, between Talladega and Lincoln, it's now the raceway, but they were just building that thing back in that day. It's a straight, straight road, but it's sort of hilly. A few blind little hills. And I was, I was in that little Buick, and I thought, man, this is the time to go fast. So I put the pedal to the metal and watched that car move. It was, it was nice. And then all of a sudden, I promise you, I heard it sounded like the Liberty Bell went off in my, my car. Scared the liver out of me. And something tapped me on the shoulder. And I put on the brakes and I slowed down. I looked back. Nobody was in the back seat. And when I looked back around and I came to the top of that hill, there was a, a pickup truck in my lane. I ran off the road, got just in time, or I would have had a head-on collision with what was obviously a drunk driver on a Sunday morning. That was an angel tapping me on the shoulder. And I know that. In reality, we don't have to see angels. We just have to let them do their job. We don't command them. We just let them do their job. It's true. Hey, another thing about angels, they're innumerable. Uh, we don't know how many there are. They're uncountable to us, but God compares their number to the stars of the sky, if that gives you any idea in the scripture. Although there are many angels, they all have separate uh, separate identities to God. God knows them all by name. They have intelligence, emotion, and they have a free will. And uh, in prehistory, some of those angels, one named Satan in particular, decided he was going to take over and he got kicked out of heaven for ex using his will. And those are what we call fallen angels. Those are demons. They're called fallen angels. They're spirit beings. Now, they love people to worship them. In fact, they want people to open up and let them become a home for them to live in. But a holy angel would never do that. A holy angel would never want to live in you. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. They wouldn't want to take the Holy Spirit's place. But the fallen angels would love to do it. If we do a study in the Bible, we find out that angels witness the creation of the earth. Angels appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob and Moses. Angels brought judgment on the Pharaoh of Egypt. Angels were present when the Ten Commandments were written. Angels were present when uh, Elijah needed food, they fed him. And they shut the mouths of lions in the den that Daniel was in. Angel gave a pep talk to Gideon. And he gave a really neat message to a little girl named Mary. Angels strengthened Jesus when he prayed alone and he did that often. 
Angels opened up prison doors for the apostles. They even took their chains off of their arms. It was one single angel that took down the walls of Jericho. One. And one single angel that destroyed the entire Assyrian army in one night. Angels announced the birth of Jesus. And they were present at the tomb when he rose from the dead. Yeah, they are amazing. They're everywhere. They're amazing. They're fantastic. They are impressive for sure. But as we've already read in verse 4, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is much superior to angels. That's what he said. Look at verse 5 again. God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son. <laughs> How about that? Angels, angels are not, uh, angels are, are not God. Jesus is superior to all angels. Now, there may be a multitude of angels, but there's only one Jesus Christ. Only one Jesus. Angels are created spirit beings, but Jesus is the God that created them. Jesus was the only one who could be God and come to earth and live and die on a cross to take our sins away. Angels can't do that. Only God can do that. Angels can only see it and wonder in amazement. Angels are not all-knowing. They can't read your mind. Even though angels are fast, they can't be everywhere at the same time like God can. They may be stronger than we are, but they are nowhere near as strong as the Lord Jesus. Angels only do what God commands them to do. They can't create anything. They can't sustain anything. And they always point to God's glory and never their own. Now, there are people obsessed with angels. You know that's true. I mean, people wear angel necklaces and angel pins and have angel little doodads and... Um, have all kind of little thing, bumper stickers that say angel on board, all that stuff. People who don't even know Jesus declare they trust their angel. I have an angel watching over me. Sometimes they think it's grandma, but they have an angel watching over me. But angels are not uh, private security contractors, I promise you, that's not their job. They work at God's command for God's people and serve God's purposes. They can't save you, they can't heal you, they can't change you, and they can't do anything outside of the will of God for you. That's true. They work for Jesus, and Jesus is greater than angels. Angels are created, God is the creator, and Jesus is God. Angels are not. The writer says another reason why Jesus is um, greater than angels. Look at, look at uh, verse 13. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in my place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. <laughs> angels bow at the throne of God. Jesus sits on the throne of God. They're different. <laughs> yes. Reason number one, Jesus is God's son. That's why Jesus is better than angels. And reason number two, 
He will rule from God's throne forever and ever, and angels will not. So why was it important for me to go through all that stuff about angels today? Now that you have a little understanding of angels, maybe. Why was it important to do that? Because in our world and in their world, it is so easy to be distracted by the bright and shiny things that just seem interesting to us. Or the new things that show up. They, 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 it just seems so much fun rather than getting to know God, just to know stuff, just to know stuff. The bright and shiny things always love to distract us. The bright and shiny things love to, to distract us, to make, things, to make things look like to make things look like they're more fun. We live in a culture just like that. Look at Hebrews chapter two, verse one. Listen carefully to this, this is the big deal. We must listen very carefully to the truth we've heard, or we may, look at this, drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was announced by the Lord Jesus himself and delivered to us by those who heard him speak? This is a warning for Christians to not get distracted from the big deal. Angels are great, but they're not the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. And it's so easy in our culture to get distracted by those things. Let me tell you something about the culture that this was written in. In the time that this was written, there was not just Christianity and idol worship and then and Judaism. There was, there was a lot more than that. There were these things called mystical religions. And they were religions that some of them had an idea of resurrection in them and some of them had some Christian ideas in them. And there were lots of choices and people were out there in the Roman Empire just like they are in the American world saying, oh, I've got this choice and this choice and I can do this and this. And everybody's advertising in shiny little things. Follow this, follow this, follow this. And they follow something without even knowing if it's the truth or not. That's what's happened in our world. That was the, that was the Roman Empire at the time. The Roman Empire was also a highly sexualized society. Anything went in the Roman Empire. Hello? Hello? It's a lie. It's a lie. Pick your religious faith. Pick whatever you want. If it works for you, whatever's right for you. Are you kidding me? There's one truth. And it's this Jesus. And the Bible tells us this. If we neglect this great salvation that was God's final gift to mankind, Jesus was the final message, the final thing. If we neglect that, what have we done? We can't. We can't drift. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Look at this. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. What are we saying? Jesus didn't die for angels. He died for you and me. He died for us. He died for people who need salvation. That's the big deal. That's the big deal. Angels are glorious. But the glorious is not the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. It's important 
that we go deeper into the relationship with Jesus and not drift from this incredible, it's, it's amazing how easy that drift is. I was, I was considering the other day about, I read a, 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 an article that said that Gen Z, which is our newest generation, I guess, I, or about, I, maybe there's another one, they come along so quick now, uh, that Gen Z is the first generation in America that is not predominantly Christian, that is less than half Christian. And I started, I started putting two and two together. Here's why. It's not just because there are a lot of new things out there. It's because the ones raising them had drifted. Oftentimes, listen, parents, I, this is a warning. I, this is honestly true. I don't mean that as a warning, a bad thing, but parents, we got to stay close to Jesus. We got to keep our families close to Jesus and we got to do everything we can. Now, I know kids make decisions as they grow older that that's their decision. It's not a parent's. I know that. But while we can, don't drift. If you drift an inch, your kid can drift a mile. It's true. We see it in generations. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. It's important that we not neglect the root of our salvation. That is Jesus. Digging into Jesus. Digging into Jesus. Being a part of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ. You know, There was, a, there was a friend I had one time in Sanford that he was, um, he had to go to a wedding one weekend. He had to go be in a wedding. And I said, where are you going? He said, Dothan. Now, Dothan is in the South Alabama, like way at the bottom. And um, the next day I heard from him, he called me the next day and he wasn't in Dothan. Because I saw him leave, but he wasn't in Dothan. And I said, what is it? He goes, well, man, I got on the interstate and I guess I just sort of my mind just drifted and I, I realized when I got to Chattanooga, I realized I'd gone the wrong way. He forgot to go right on I-65 and just stay on 59 and went all the way to Chattanooga. When he got to Chattanooga, he just said, well, I'll just get a hotel room here and he missed the wedding. He said his mind sort of drifted. I know sometimes we're gonna miss what God has for us if we drift, if we just don't pay attention to what's going on in our world and going on in our hearts, God wants us to look at our hearts and say, say, God, I don't want to drift from you. I, all I want is you. The, the songs today were incredible. The worship was incredible because it was drawing us. Lord, all I want is you. Lord, I don't want to drift away. I don't want to drift away. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to drift. How, do we, how do, can we neglect so great a salvation when God has given us the big deal and all the little shiny things get our attention. Sometimes the shiny things are good stuff. Sometimes they in our world, shiny thing, in our world, sports is the shiny thing. And money is the shiny thing. And cars the shiny thing. Etc. Entertainment. It's the shiny thing. Oh Lord, don't let me miss you by looking at the shiny things. Our worship team's going to come now and I just want you to stand with me if you will. I want you to think about this. As we sing this song, I want you to ask yourself this question. God, am I drifting? Am I drifting? 
Am I drifting? Ask yourself the question that Hebrews asks us as we sing.